Did you see this? Did you see this clip? Anyone seen this? It's been all over uh, the internet, all over YouTube. Um, it's had like, I don't know, thousands, millions. It uh, goes viral in it, that's what they say if you're a human. It's gone viral. Um, I don't know what... I don't know what shocks you uh, the most about that, about that clip. Um, for me... Cheers. Uh, is it... I'm kind of looking at it. Is it, it? First time I watched it, it's not just the fact that there's this... Because I've driven trucks. That was my previous employment. Not that kind of size, but driven trucks. I don't know how you can... It, it unnerved me, the fact... This, I mean, this guy, with a few fruity words, says basically, I've got no, I had no idea that there were this car in front of me. I just had no concept. That terrifies me, that you can be in a truck. I don't know if you've ever sat in one, but you, you could drive along and not know that there's something underneath you. That freaked me out a bit first. Just so I watched it cold. I was like, oh man, that freaked me out. And then I found out that, maybe this shocked you the most, that Ellie Goulding, currently number one, it's a weird coming together of weird things, currently number one, she was the person that spotted all this happening. She was the person that confronted the guy. That's pretty awesome and pretty cool. But that's not what shocked me the most. What shocked me the most was the way that, I don't know if you saw, everything's filmed nowadays. You notice that? Everything's kind of like a soon. Any, nothing can kind of happen. Happen. Nothing can kind of happen without some, you know the guy straight on his camera. You know everything. Everything is filmed, and it, it brought to my attention a couple of things. The first thing is we all view life through a lens. We all view life through a lens. For most of human history. That's just been a metaphorical lens. You know, our worldview, our culture, whether our glass is half full or half empty, those kinds of things. But in, in, now, in the last, I don't know how many years, there's kind of, a, the kind of literal lenses that we view our life through all, all the time. It's kind of the norm. I was at one of my kids' nativities, and uh, ev everyone's got their phones out. And I started, I don't know if you've ever had this experience, I started to feel a little bit a little bit creepy for not having my phone out. People were, I, I, and I, in the end, there was that many people getting their phones out, I thought, this is just, this is just the norm. So I got, I got my phone out. The worst I've had it was sitting waiting at the dentist's. I was in this, the dentist's waiting room, there was four other guys in there with me. They were all on their phones, and I, I, could, I didn't have my phone, I mean, it was in my pocket, and I could literally feel myself creeping them out. I just, you know, I, could, I've, I felt like a creepy guy just for not having my phone. So what I did was I got my phone out. And I, I didn't have any data, so I just browsed through my old text messages. But I wanted to, you know, because everything that we look at is, you know, we, we consume through a screen. Second thing I noticed was that the lens that we view our world through, whether it's metaphorical or physical, it shapes us as much as we shape it. The lens that you choose to watch the world through, I, th I think, shapes us as much as you shape it. And it's a bit more nuanced in the metaphorical olden days, but like literally now. Do you, do you ever find that when you're, when you're consuming media or when you're watching telly or when you're chatting with Alexa, as I increasingly do in the, in the office, or when you're on your phone, do you ever get that feeling, am I, am I pursuing this? Did I, did I look into this? Do I want this product? Is this news that I trust? Do I... Do I want this person to be a friend? Do you know, increasingly you think, which one of us is in control here? Is this, is this me, or am I, am I being shaped? It's like everything is kind of filtered through. We, 
kind of most of life, we kind of absorb through our phones, or it's like it never happened. And the, the last sort of thing I realized as you watch the clip, we get so clouded by whichever, we get so influenced by whatever lens we look through that we can actually miss the reality of what's going on. We can actually miss what's actually right in front of our eyes. One of my favorite games, new favorite games to play is kind of mobile phone roulette. Everybody that walks along that part of the mile into there got their phones like this. Have you seen people walking like that? I've started doing it like that. And now I've got, I've got this new game. If, if I've had a long day at work, sermon prepping, whatever, I'll try and walk towards them. I'll kind of see them out of the corner of my eye. I think I'm going to head right towards you and try and freak them out and then duck out of the way at the last minute. And then I go for the, for the next person because everybody is consuming their life through a lens. I think in post-truth times, I don't know if that's the label did the inverse common thing. I don't know if that's the label that we will put over this 10, 20 years, but in post-truth times, I think it really matters the lens you try and watch the world through. I think it's significant, the lens you choose to watch the world through. I think it's, I'd like to suggest it's possible, given, given the way that we consume news and information, given the lenses that we have to look through, that a story like the Christmas story, we can really miss. It's possible to live in the, in the present times with all the filters that we've got, and this story from 2,000 years ago, we can really miss. One of the things that Luke does, what we're going to look at, Luke asks us to look at the story, maybe... Maybe he had great insight. Maybe he knew which direction the world was headed in. And he said, I want you to look at the story and I'm going to show you it through a specific way. I'm going to show you it through a lens. I'm going to show you it from a perspective. And if you look at it, here's kind of the challenge. If we look at it from this perspective, I think it's what I'm going to ask us to do, then you might, it might just mean something different to you. And he kind of gets us to think about two things. I think taglines. Put, I'm going to put these inverted comma fingers down. Ridiculous. Real hope is found in humble places. It's the first thing that gets us to think about. Real hope is found in humble places. And this might mean a search for us. So, really interesting, I think, where he draws, I think it is, really interesting where he draws our eye. You've got this, you've got this the story of the Bible, search for a king, looking for the Messiah, the chosen one. That's kind of the story of the Bible. And in that story, it's written in the times of Caesar, time of Rome. And that, you know, that's, the, that's the back story. And even with that back story, Luke says, I'm going to focus in on some shepherds. And I'm going to ask you reading back in 2,000 years' time to see it through the eyes of these shepherds. That's where we're going to stop at the moment. Imagine, the, you, know, you know this scene pretty good, I reckon, the hillside the shepherds on the side. Imagine the shepherds. In, in a job like mine, you won't get this, I don't think, but in a job like mine, one of the most frequently asked questions you get when you get together at vicar pastor gatherings, that kind of thing, somebody will ask you, this is pretty sad actually, it's what, it's what, cringe about my job, somebody will say, who do you want to meet when you get to heaven? Yeah, I know, that's what, that, that's, because we drink too much coffee, and, you know, we get in our own little world and somebody says, who do you want to meet when they get to heaven? And, somebody, and when I, I know when somebody asks me that, they're going to give me some highfalutin answer like Ezekiel because they want to come across really cool. And see, in my, I, I can't tell them my actual answer. 
My answer is these guys, the shepherds. I love the shepherds, just some normal guys. That's what these guys are, normal guys. I love them because when I think about the question of who I'm going to meet in heaven, see the thing I love the most? See, when, you, when I'm away on holiday and I come back to Yorkshire, having been, we got it south of France year after year, and I come back, wine and cheese, I come back missing Yorkshire, and the thing that I miss the most is when I just get to walk, this is a very Yorkshire thing, I get to walk past somebody in the street, I'm sure they do it in other parts of the world, but you, get, you walk past somebody in the street, they've not got any more interest in you, but they, and you kind of, you think, because we've all been here for millions of years, you look around and they say, hey up. When they give you an A up, just a, and they don't, want, they don't want any more information from you than A up, that is all they're after, just an A up. And you get to go, and I, it warms the, if I've been away for a couple of weeks, it warms the cockles of my heart. I go, A up, and nothing more is required of the conversation. You can just walk past. See, when I get to heaven, the people I'm going to dig out are these shepherds, because I reckon of all the characters in the Bible, I'm going to walk up to these shepherds. I don't know that they're going to be there, for sure, but I think there's a good chance, given what they saw, I'm going to walk right up to them, and I reckon they're going to say, A up. And I'll just walk past and go, hey, up, and that'll be the end of it. No more will be needed. These were just ordinary shepherds. Ordinary shepherds on the hillside. On the hillside. They got the shock of their lives. I think the text is quite, is quite kind to these shepherds. It says that they were, I think, an older version says they were so afraid. They were terrified. I think that's what the other text used. I don't know if you've ever been out on the hillside. Even if you're a hardened hill walker, if you've ever been out on the hillside and a dog runs out or something like that and it's dark, if you're a, like I was out the other night jogging and I'm a pastor, and I said, I, have, I had a vocabulary that I wasn't expecting when this cat, black cat shot out in front of me. Do you know, I, these shepherds were just terrified. And they got, they got what I think is one of the most overlooked instructions in Scripture. And I think historically we do their endeavors at this service. What does the angel say to them? And you can imagine them carrying on the floor. What does the angel say to them? Go into Bethlehem, find the baby wrapped in the manger. And we, we I think we really, I don't know. We go straight to the Christmas card scene. We just think, oh, they're on the hillside. And down in Bethlehem, there's a, a, a softly lit house with a star on the top, probably some wise men outside, that kind of setup. And the shepherds just wandered down and they bolted. They just went straight there. But the instruction is they're going to have to go and find this baby. I've done a bit of digging around. I don't think they went straight there at all. My, my digging around says that every, you know, the story of the baby was born and there was no room in the inn, so it was in, in the manger. Every house in Bethlehem had like one room where people lived and one room where the animals lived. Every house was like that. And it was the census. Census. Everywhere was full. This was going to be a bit of a search. It's a bit like saying, going to Cass. Going to Cass on a Friday night. Find a terraced house with somebody watching Sky Sports. You'd say, that's everybody. Everybody's got, you know, everybody's, somebody having a takeaway watching Sky Sports in a terraced house. That's, that's everybody. This was... This was a bit of a search. You see the way that Luke sets it up? You see the lens that he gives us to look at it? These ordinary blokes, let's, let's just park them on the hillside for a second. They're coming down off the hillside thinking, looking for a king. Going to have to knock on a bunch of doors. Going to have to root around. See how Luke sets it up? 
How does he go in his introduction? If the first verse, if you could pop the first verse on. This is how, so he's giving us a lens to look at it through. Look at the world that we're to look at it through. It is the days, it's the days of Augustus Caesar. It's the days of Rome. I don't, I, I always, somebody always chases me because I get my Roman facts wrong, so I'm very cautious. But, I, you know, a thousand years or more, like, think about how big and powerful America is, or how big and powerful some of the agencies in America are. And they've been here for, you know, they've been in power for a few hundred years or whatever else. It's Rome, a thousand years being the place. Augustus Caesar, the most powerful man in the world. Everything that's thought of, everything that's, everything that's to be feared, everything that is of influence is Roman. Rome is everywhere. It is the power. It is the all-consuming power. And Luke drags our eyes in that world where all the kings are and all the kingmakers are and he says no look at some shepherds rooting around searching in the most humble unlikely places you're ever going to think to find a king a manger I mean, the mum and dad really haven't got anywhere to stay. They can't have any status or any kind of significance or any kind of importance. And then, like, coming off that hillside, they must have been thinking, and well, this is what Luke gets you to think anyway. Really? That's where we're going to find a king? Given that this is the world, this is the sphere of influence, this is the people that are important, we're going to find a king there? Surely the penny will drop for these guys that they're looking in the wrong place for a king. But see that the noise that is ringing in the shepherd's ears? Their focus, what is the sign, what is the thing that they're going to have to determine to search for, even though in the back of their minds they're thinking, really, king, the angel says, you're going to find this baby, you're going to have to look around for this baby, and it's going to be born in a manger, it's going to be wrapped in swaddling clothes. This is the sign that's ringing in their ears. It says to find hope, I think, you're going to have to really determine to focus on humble places. That's what the angel's saying. This is where the king is. Swaddling clothes in a manger. You're going to think different, but that's going to be the sign. Focus on the humble circumstances. I, reflecting on that, I think that is, that's like so the Christian story, isn't it? Deep, deep within us, deep within us you've got this sense of, and I don't know if you're, I don't know if you're a Christian, I don't know if you're in a position of faith. I don't know quite where you're at. From, from my experience, that is, that is so the Christian story. You've got this humble, you've got this sense of a good path to go down. Kindness, gentleness, trusting in God, biting your tongue, those sorts of things. The ways of Jesus. You've got that sense deep within you. You've got that, like, I'm sure this is the right thing to do. I don't really feel like I want to do it, but it's the right thing to do. And yet you've got this present reality of life that just says that all these kind of ways you're going to try and follow are just worthless. Just a waste of time. Why would you bother looking to try and find hope there when it doesn't really matter what you do because these, the powers that be are in control of the world. The world is heading in a different direction than you. What you're doing is futile, really. The kind of question we ask ourselves is, how am I supposed to keep my hope in humble places? How are we supposed to do that? Because what, I, what you can kind of say is, I've, I've not had an, 
I've not had an angel scare me half to death on the hillside. I haven't had that. That's not happened to me. How do I keep my hope in humble places? This is when I think it's really cool, really helpful to see the bigger thing that Luke is telling us in this story. Now, you can, you can see it in, in all his book, Luke and Acts, he writes two big books, or you can see it kind of made up in the phrase that the angel says, don't be afraid, I bring good news that will bring great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour is born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This, what Luke's saying and what he says throughout his books is what you see here, this baby in the manger, what you see here is never going to go away. This is the start of something. This is light piercing into the darkness. This baby is that, and if you go on and read his books, you'll read that this baby becomes the man who's a really good man, a perfect man. So perfect, people just drop everything and follow him. This, is, this baby becomes the man who dies, and I believe raise, is raised again, and in being raised again, loads more people follow him. In fact, there's just a groundswell, just, and, and people pick him up, and they don't just follow him, but they follow his ways. And the Roman Empire, that was the whole world, is something we now visit as a tourist attraction. An empire since have crumbled and gone. And yet, because of who he was and what he did, this baby still pierces the world, still shines in the darkness. John, when he wrote about it, put it like this. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that's been made. In him was life, and that light was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. This, this baby, this light, this different way, his ways, stay. They remain. Isaiah puts it like this as a guy writing way before Jesus was born, looking forward. He says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Sets you this picture of the, of the morning sun coming over the hill, lighting up all of the valley, knowing that that ray of light means that light's coming. Do you know that way? I had, the, I had this this morning. Didn't sleep great last night. Got up this morning and do you know that way that you're asleep in your bed and it's dark? And I don't, you might not have this. You, you know things are pretty ugly in the, in the room. I put my hand, yeah, I have this. I put my hand on my head. I've got no hair in some parts. I've got, I've got bed head, loads of hair in other parts. I know there's unpleasant drool. I know there's stuff all over the floor. I know the room's a bit of a tip. I know that I had a bag of crisps in bed last thing. They're still on the floor. But it doesn't matter because it's dark, and then that ray of light comes in, and you see that ray of light, and all of a sudden, there's just like, there's nothing you can do about it, because you know when that ray of light comes in, even though everything is dark in here, you know that outside, everywhere is light. And that means you're gonna have to get up and get dressed, and hide the bag of crisps from your wife, because you've gotta live in the reality of the light, even though it's just a thin speck of light. That that is the Christmas story. That is why the baby in the manger stops us in our tracks. Because that light coming into the world means that more light is coming. The light that came brings hope, and it means more light is coming. That is the focus 
That is what Luke asks us to look at. A couple of things. A reminder and then an encouragement to finish. The reminder that I think the Christmas story gives us is the world is it's darker than you think. I don't know if you see that in the Christmas story. Do you know how we kind of think, kind of think, for the most part, everyone's good, don't we? Think the world's good. There's a couple of bad apples, but generally speaking, it's good. One of the reminders I think that comes with the Christmas story is, is that the darkness, the Bible talks about the darkness, it messes us up more than we know. We're more mixed up and messed us up than we can ever imagine. And yet, and yet there is real hope. Real hope. There's hope in humble places. Search for it. More light's coming. Some encouragements. I reckon in the next week, probably tomorrow, over Christmas lunch, you're going to meet, you're going to encounter an idiot. Probably. This is what happens at lots of people's Christmas lunch. You watch EastEnders, it seems to happen all the time on there. You're going to encounter somebody who's just going to really annoy you. Somebody who's going to be a bit of a bully or a bit of a chauvinist or something, something like that. Just somebody who's been a bit of a twit. And you go, in the back of your mind, you're going to be like, I just want to wipe the floor with this person. Or you're going to have some fruity words for them. Or you're going to resolve to hate them for the rest of their life. Something, something like that will happen. And you're going to think, none of, my, none of the ways of that man Jesus, no amount of graciousness, no amount of light, no amount of gentleness, no amount of humility, there's going to be no hope there. Because of this baby, because of this light, there is hope in humble places. Focus on it. The lights come, more lights coming. When we go uh, into the new year, I reckon we've, we've voted for who we've voted for now. We've got our government in place. We will look again, we'll forget about it over Christmas, I reckon, but we'll look again at the world and the powers that be and the empires of the world. And our hearts will break again when we look at them. When we see when we see the people that rule the world, and when we see the wars that happen because we can't get on, or the wars that happen because we want more food or more oil or whatever else it is, we'll look at the world and we'll see that, and our hearts will ache, and we'll think to ourselves about these big empires that looks like control everything. We'll think, what is the point? What on earth is the point in me being a prayer? What on earth is the point in me being getting on my knees late at night? What's the point in that? What's the point in me rocking up at church trying to hear about God's word? What's the point in me trying to be humble or gentle or nice? This baby reminds us that these ways, I think, are eternal ways. These humble actions, these prayers, these things are things that last because the light has pierced the world. There's hope in humble places. Search for it. There's more light coming. When you think... Maybe you're thinking, I've not, I've not really got the focus on Christmas. I don't really know what to lens to look at it through. Or maybe you're thinking about your life. I don't really know. I don't really have a great focus on it. Remember or consider the fact that Luke asks us to look at a stable and a manger. And remember that there's real hope in humble places.